John Starhurst persisted in going out and being eaten, there would be a war that would cost hundreds of lives. Later in the day, a deputation of Rewa chiefs waited upon John Starhurst. He heard them patiently and argued patiently with them, though he abated not a whit from his purpose. To his fellow missionaries, he explained that he was not bent upon martyrdom, that the call had come for him to carry the gospel into Viti Levu, and that he was merely obeying the Lord's wish. To the traitors who came and objected most strenuously of all, he said, Your objections are valueless. They consist merely of the damage that may be done your businesses. You are interested in making money, but I am interested in saving souls. The heathen of this dark land must be saved. John Starhurst was not a fanatic. He would have been the first man to deny the imputation. He was eminently sane and practical. He was sure that his mission would result in good, and he had private visions of igniting the Pentecostal spark in the souls of the mountaineers, and of inaugurating a revival that would sweep down out of the mountains and across the length and breadth of the great land, from sea to sea, and to the isles in the midst of the sea. There were no wild lights in his mild gray eyes, but only calm resolution and an unfaltering trust in the higher power that was guiding him. One man only he found who approved of his project, and that was Ra Vatu, who secretly encouraged him and offered to lend him guides to the first foothills. John Starhurst, in turn, was greatly pleased by Ra Vatu's conduct. From an incorrigible heathen with a heart as black as his practices, Ra Vatu was beginning to emanate light. He even spoke of becoming Lotu, True, three years before, he had expressed a similar intention, and would have entered the church had not John Starhurst entered objection to his bringing his four wives along with him. Ravatu had had economic and ethical objections to monogamy. Besides, the missionary's hair-splitting objection had offended him, and to prove that he was a free agent and a man of honor, he had swung his huge war club over Starhurst's head. Starhurst had escaped by rushing in under the club, and holding on to him until help arrived. But all that was now forgiven and forgotten. Ravatu was coming into the church, not merely as a converted heathen, but as a converted polygamist as well. He was only waiting, he assured Starhurst, until his oldest wife, who was very sick, should die. John Starhurst journeyed up the sluggish Rewa in one of Ravatu's canoes. This canoe was to carry him for two days, when the head of navigation reached it would return. Far in the distance, lifted into the sky, could be seen the great smoky mountains that mark the backbone of the great land. All day John Starhurst gazed at them with eager yearning. Sometimes he prayed silently. At other times he was joined in prayer by Nara'u, a native teacher, who for seven years had been Lotu, ever since the day he had been saved from the hot oven by Dr. James Ellery Brown, at the trifling expense of one hundred sticks of tobacco, two cotton blankets, and a large bottle of painkiller. At the last moment, after twenty hours of solitary supplication and prayer, Nara'u's ears had heard the call to go forth with John Starhurst on the mission to the mountains. Master, I will surely go with thee, he had announced. John Starhurst had hailed him with sober delight. Truly the Lord was with him thus, to spur on so broken-spirited a creature as Nara'u. I am indeed without spirit, 
the weakest of the Lord's vessels, Nara'u explained, the first day in the canoe. You should have faith, stronger faith, the missionary chided him. Another canoe journeyed up the Rewa that day, but it journeyed an hour astern, and it took care not to be seen. This canoe was also the property of Ravatu. In it was Arirola, Ravatu's first cousin and trusted henchman. And in the small basket that never left his hand was a whale tooth. It was a magnificent tooth, fully six inches long, beautifully proportioned, the ivory turned yellow and purple with age. This tooth was likewise the property of Ravatu, and in Fiji, when such a tooth goes forth, things usually happen. For this is the virtue of the whale tooth. Whoever accepts it cannot refuse the request that may accompany it or follow it.